welcome to the ABCA's podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Brownlee. This episode is sponsored by Netting Pros. Netting professionals are improving programs one facility at a time. Netting professionals specializes in the design, fabrication, and installation of custom netting for backstops, batting cages, dugouts, BP screens, and ball carts. They also design and install digital graphic wall padding, windscreen, turf, turf protectors, dugout benches, dugout cubbies, and more. Netting Professionals is an official partner of the ABCA and continues to provide quality products and services to many high school, college, and professional fields, facilities, and stadiums throughout the country. Netting Professionals are improving programs one facility at a time. Contact them today at 844-620-2707 or info at nettingpros.com. Visit them online at www.nettingpros.com or check out Netting Pros on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn for all their latest products and projects. Make sure to let CEO Will Miner know that the ABCA sent you. Now on to the podcast. Next up on the ABCA podcast are Mark and Sam Jorman. This is our first father and daughter episode. Mark Putz Jorman is heading into his 27th season at James Madison High School in Northern Virginia and his 35th season overall. Coach Dorman has led James Madison to three state championships. The 2021 squad had a phenomenal season, finishing second in the nation and winning the Class 6 state championship. He was named the ATEC ABCA Region 2 Coach of the Year this summer. Coach Dorman is very active on the speaking circuit, is an integral part of the ABCA National Baseball Coaches Association and MVP International. Sam is blazing her own path in the game. She helped Pudge with the James Madison High School baseball program while she was in high school. After graduation, she went to James Madison University and worked with the baseball program. She had an exciting summer working with the Wareham Gateman as the assistant to the GM and MLB scout liaison. She was just named director of baseball operations and assistant executive to the head coach at College of Charleston. We head down a lot of different rabbit holes in this episode. It's an impactful conversation on the many ways that you can help the baseball community. Let's welcome Mark and Sam Jorman to the podcast. All right, here with Mark Pudge Jorman, uh, head coach at James Madison High School, uh, also ABCA Division One Region Two Coach of the Year this year, and then Sam Jorman, uh, College of Charleston now, but was a JMU Duke, and uh, just finished up uh, with the Wareham Gateman. So thank you two for coming on with me. Oh, uh, thanks for having us, Ryan. Appreciate it. Could there be a better summer for a baseball family? We got a state championship, a new job, a internship with Wareham. I mean, can you? I don't think you can have a better summer than that, can you? I don't think so. I mean, it's been a whirlwind in the last, I tell people, three, three and a half months. I mean, between everything we've had going on, I mean, it's been awesome. I don't think you could write a better story. Pudge, what about you? I mean, it's, it's got to be gratifying for you, not with the high school, but then also with what Sam's doing. Oh, yeah. You know what? It's been the uh, same thing. Been a kind of a crazy summer. Just, uh, yeah. You know what? It's been fun. Uh, it, I'm not, I'm getting used to being called Sam. You know, usually it's always been uh, Pudge's daughter. Now I'm, I'm known as Sam's dad now. So I'm making that transition. But now it's great. The high school season, uh, win a state title was uh, pretty, you know, again, to do it again was special. But to do it with this group for the first time was it's always special to do it with it's, when it's a new group. Um, of kids because they come through as you know and, and you know you have them for four years so the goal is to try to win that last game with you and show them that that you know what it takes to get to the top and now following these guys James Wendy's with the Cubs and Collins at UVA and all the seniors have gone on you know that that's something they'll never forget and especially after having 2020 taken away you know that was going to be a real special season as well for us. so those guys were chomping at the bit but then got into kind of the college league. I, I dabbled in that a little bit this summer in the NVCL, and it was nice to – I was coaching the Chili Dogs. So we ended up uh, – we won the NVCL. So anyway, it was it was special. It was a busy summer, but uh, I got up to see Sam for a couple of days up in the Cape and do, watch her do her thing, and obviously so proud of her. And, you know, Charleston's special area. We've been going there with Madison down there for years at spring break. So she uh, – again, nothing she does surprises me. She uh, She's tenacious with this stuff. Sam, had your dad coached you at all when you were growing up? 
Oh yeah. Um, he coached, I played little league from gosh, I was what five to when I aged out a little league at uh, 12, 13 years old. And he coached me pretty much the whole way up. Um, and I mean, that was a blast, you know, the player side of things. I was, I wasn't the best player, but you know, I, I busted my butt out there and I was going to work hard. Um, then I did switch over to softball and that's when he never transitioned over there with me. Um, but I ended up back on the baseball field and was able to work with him with the high school stuff and see the administrative side of things as well. Um, How long did you play softball? Did you play softball all the way through high school? No, I only played softball my freshman and my sophomore year. And I liked it, didn't love it. Um, wasn't what I wanted to do at the next level. Wasn't really sure at that time what I wanted to do at the next level or what the next level could afford me. But um, I stuck with it, and that's how I ended up at JMU, just kind of being around his program and putting my work in there as well. Is that when you caught the baseball bug when you were working with your dad? I think so. I, I just, at that point, you know, I, I didn't know where it would take me. I just knew I liked being around it. I liked doing it. And, um, I mean, here I am now. Yeah. So, Pudge, what did you see out of Sam back then that you felt like she was going to do a good job in the baseball industry? You know what, I knew early on, I mean, I think she was in a Madison game her third day after coming out of the hospital. That's a fact. And, uh, you know, my wife brought her to, to a game against Marshall High School, matter of fact, a rival back then. Um, <clears throat> but I knew early on, I'll tell you when I knew, you're going to laugh, Ryan. I, I was at a game, and uh, I used to take her to Nats games, and she loved going to Nats games. Like, she would jump at it sometimes before my boys. And and uh, she loved going down. You know, they wanted to go down for the dipping Dots. She was there to watch baseball. So I was like, okay. And then she was in a, like a triple-A game, and uh, a friend of ours who plays with my son at Lynchburg now, Avery Neves, hit her in the ribs with a ball. I was, And it was hard. He was a big kid, and I was standing behind the backstop. I wasn't coaching. It was a fall game, so I wasn't coaching that night. I was just watching her play that season, and I was like, yep, that's going to do it. That'll end it. And she sells herself short. She was a pretty good player. And uh, – she got up, didn't rub it, ran the first base, and then she, you know, she did it right. And I was like, okay, this girl's tough. And so uh, I knew, I knew early on, and I knew that softball. She, you know, she was a captain those two years that she played in high school, and she just, I knew it wasn't doing it for. Her. I could tell, and she, she really, she wanted to be in baseball. So I turned her loose. She didn't, you know, I don't want to, you know, I, she shouldn't sell herself short. She ran our our high school program. I mean. In terms of, I turned her loose. Lenny Schultz, who the late Lenny Schultz, who was the football coach, good friend, he cut her loose in football. That's where she loved to be. She wanted to be on the field. She didn't want to be in the stands. So you just knew. I mean, she was so organized, and she worked hard at it. Sam, does having brothers help? Oh, yeah, uh, absolutely. I mean, um, just from, you know, being around the guys, I even say, like, I grew up around his programs and everything. So every year it was a different group of, you know, 25 older brothers. And then my two little brothers, they kept me tough growing up. I mean, I, uh, I don't really take any crap from anybody. And I think growing up with them has taught me that and, uh, helped with that a little bit. So, you know, just from my actual brothers to the Warhawk brothers that I had growing up, I mean, that is part of the reason I think I'm able to not hold my own, but, um, kind of demand the respect that I do out on the baseball field, because I'm not going to take anything from anybody. Yeah. Much less, uh, you know, one of my players who I'm working with. Gets that from her mom. <laughs> That's the good thing with the baseball industry now. It's a great time to be in it. If you work hard and, and you're willing to put the time in, like, it doesn't matter what you look like. It doesn't matter who you are. The baseball industry is going to be, you know, and, and for, you know, I think we get a bad rap at times saying we're dinosaurs, but honestly, I think we're, we're pushing things forward in a, in a great way. I do feel like it's a great time to be in the baseball industry. No, I agree. I mean, I've had a, I mean, last night I had a great conversation with uh, Ginger Polson. She's with the Blue Jays now. And I've just been so lucky to have so many mentors in this game, not only female, but the men as well, who are so excited to see it being pushed forward. And I think it's so great. And I mean, this past summer, I got to work with Kayla Baptista and uh, Lauren Taplin. We had a great little crew of, of women with Wareham. And um, that was just honestly one of the cooler experiences that came out of that for me was because I'm so used to being the only one in a group of or in a room of 40 men but having those other women there who have the same goals and aspirations as me like it's just reassuring to see that it it can pay off and it can happen for us 
Yeah, and I, I had that in my notes to ask you about those two. Um, how was your guys' living situation up there? Because I know it was host families. Is it still host families up there, even for the interns? So, no, the interns, um, we were all unpaid interns, and we had to put ourselves up. So we lucked out. We had a great situation um, just with our baseball ops program. We were all in this house on the beach. Um, I think there were 13 of us living there between the player development interns, the scout analysts, and um, – uh, on-field coaching interns. So I was, you know, with living in the bottom floor with four guys I'd never met before. And by the end of the summer, they're some of my best friends I'll ever have in my life. Like we just connected from a baseball standpoint, we all had the same motives and kind of work ethic, which was really cool to see and just be surrounded by on a daily basis. Go over. I mean, you worked with Andrew Lang, who's the GM at mm -hmm. Wareham, and then your liaison to the MLB scouts that come in. So just talk about that process and, and your responsibilities on a day-to-day -day basis with Wareham. Yeah, so it was a blast. I mean, I came in not really knowing what my total job was going to be, what my duties were going to be, but I think I took it upon myself pretty early to kind of assert myself and show that I wanted to be a part of as much as I possibly could on a daily basis. And it really paid off. I mean, Andrew kind of handed the day-to-day -day operations off to me once he, I think, realized that it was stuff that I had done before and stuff that I could handle on a high level. And I knew what I wanted to get out of this experience. So he really just kind of let me run with the team. And I am so thankful for that. I mean, I learned so much just from having to juggle all the moving parts. And it was cool to see um, just on a, in a different area how that all worked because, you know, I had run the Northern Virginia College League the summer before. And that was a whole different experience. But some of that definitely translated to this past summer with Wareham. And I, that was just, it was, it was cool to get a different view of it. And then as far as the scout liaison stuff, I mean, I made so many connections just with, you know, it, it was cool because at JMU, I, I had made really good friends and connections with all my area scouts there. But then to see them up in this different area and then getting to put names to faces that I had talked to on the phone because, you know, this guy put me in touch with this guy to talk to and interview about, you know, where do I want to go? Where do I see myself? I mean, it was just unreal having all those, um, you know, great baseball minds in one area. I mean, you're at a game and you look to your left and, you know, it's, I don't even know the assistant GM to the Yankee. I don't know. Take your pick, but um, just having all those connections right there, like at my fingertips, like I've never felt so um, like, there was so much knowledge around me and I was just trying to tap into that as much as possible. And, and the East coast mm -hmm. has always been a good area for area scouts. I think about when I was at JMU, uh, JJ Picola was an area scout for the Braves. Who's with the Royals. Now Doug Harris, JMU grad Nats. Yep. Um, you know, you can go down the lit. Brian Barber was a Cardinal scout back on the East coast. He's uh, runs the Phillies now. Like it, it's amazing. You know, when you think about, the, the path that those guys take too, because they're working their way up too. So those area guys that, that you interact with, they may end up being a cross checker or a scouting director at some point too, which is awesome to see. Oh yeah. I mean, and some of those guys, like I consider them not only um, just like really good friends now, but mentors in the game. And I know I can call up this guy and he's got, he can connect me with this person. If I need that, like baseball, it really is a small world. And I know people say that all the time, but the more I'm getting into it, the more I'm kind of starting to learn that and, it's cool that I'm, I'm now getting to be a part of it myself. Yeah. So Pudge, let's circle back to that, that season. So similarities with the O2 and the 15 team, or was this team different than those other state championship teams? You know what? It's like your kids, they're all different. Um, you know, and, and it, uh, I got to tell you, it's the, the banquet the last night we only had a, we had a quick turnaround because James was leaving for uh, Arizona and we wanted to get the banquet in before everybody started going their own way. And, the last question asked that night, I asked them in front of all the parents, do you have anything to say? And they said, yeah, coach, you told us all year, if we finish the deal, you tell us who's, who wins. We play the O2 team, who wins? And uh, you know what? My assistant coach said it best. He says, you guys do, because they're all 40 years old now. You know, so, um, you know what? They're all special in their own way. The O2 team, the 15 team, the 15 team really kind of came out of nowhere. And that, they were just built on grit. They were talented, but they were just, you know, they had a chip on their shoulder. The O2 team obviously was the only undefeated team in state history. And, you know, that, that's a team that, you know, we were right there with number two in the country or two, you know, depending on the ranking, but, you know, we, Elkins, Texas beat us out for that national title, but we, I've gotten over that. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, that group was really, there was no, you know, there was no, you know, we had a bunch of VMI, you know, I, JJBT, Alamut, the VMI, and 
you know, which is a great institution, but this team had UVA, you know, North Carolina, Alabama. I mean, so it was, it's different, you know, in, in all those ways. But um, like I said, this group really um, was special in a lot of ways because like coming off 2020, the question we had, we had great lead in 20, we had just the leadership core, Michael Schultz, who's at college of Charleston now, Chris Polymeropoulos and those guys. And, and then, you know, you lose that many guys, there's going to be some turns. So we had to, after being off COVID, I remember last September, we come back on the track, we're allowed to work out. And it's kind of like not being around the guys that, you know, all I asked them to do during COVID was lift, 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 and get stronger. The baseball take care of itself. And they did that, but, uh, I just, it was different. They kind of, we had, we had to kind of re, reset the values and, and they picked it up quick. We had to develop the leaders within, which is usually done all off season. So we were starting in September here, not in, in June or July. So anyway, um, they had to kind of find their way that way, but um, you know, not a lot of similarities. They're pretty different. This, this team could really, um, this team could really swing the bat. I mean, you know, we hit 392 as a team, which is in 19 games and, you know, we, we, we just did a lot of good things. But, uh, again, uh, to, to watch the state final and, you know, you were playing a very good team in Colgan and, you know, James goes to the mound and, you know, he just that week he was dominant on the, you know, he had a great week on the mound and to, to go, he had a perfect game in the seventh inning with one out, you know, and nobody does that. You know, when one of the reporters said, you know, you didn't get off your chair, he gave up a home run, was the only, only base run he gave up. He hung a breaking ball and he knew it and, they said, you didn't even get off your chair in a state championship game. It's two to one. I said, what do you want me to go out and say? You know, I mean, the, you know, the ball's in the right guy's hands and I wasn't going to pull him. He wasn't going to let me take him out. And he was kind of laughing about it. So then he, I think he struck out the next two or something and the rest, you know, I was kind of next, thing you know, I'm in a dog pile, which I'd never done. So we had a lot of fun with it. Like I said, all three are real special. All three, you know, they, they, they can't take them back. So when you win the last game, it's a really, really special feeling. And, to finish, you know, I think we were ninth in the country in most of the polls. It was a, it's a group I'll never forget for sure. And you know, we're, we're hey, we're we're back to work now for this year. So got a good group, you know. So uh, we're excited. We won my senior year of high school, and it was at Old Bush Stadium in Indianapolis, and there it was packed, and our fans rushed the field. So I did not do the dog pile. I sprinted to the outfield because there was a sea of people that rushed the field. I was like, I'm not dealing with this, but I mean, what are the differences for you right now in 21, as opposed to 2002 with, with running a high school program? Uh, uh, you know, I'm going to be doing some speaking on, you know, here, and those are the things I'll be talking on at the BCA national conference and uh, the Virginia state conference. It's amazing. I get asked that question a lot. Um, social media is the biggest difference, you know, the O2 we went undefeated. This team, I really thought I had a shot to go undefeated and win a national title. I, I would play anybody in the country with this year's team as well. And um, you know, Fitz from Stoneman Douglas, they they they, they kind of got it. But we had it, we would talk about it every week. The biggest difference is social media, though. Um, you know, it's so hard to keep guys from reading known press clippings, especially with social media. And then, you know, it's you know we we have a saying, "Don't eat the cheese." You know, I stole it from Bill Parcells and. Uh, you know, it, it's, uh, it is it's a hard. trap. It's a trap. And it, it is a trap. And it, the bottom line is, you know, we, 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 we took an L one night the team came from behind beat us. We lost one game by one run. We had already clinched and, uh, you know, we were the one seed and, and it was like the perfect storm, but it was honestly the best thing that happened to this team because it put, they, they weren't happy. And, you know, the other team did the, you know, the usual, uh, under the scoreboard picture and, uh, you know, they, they had a nice little celebration, you know, and my team, you know, they had to watch that and they didn't like it. And, uh, this team, honestly, this team was set up. Those teams weren't set up for failure. This team was set up to fail because, you know, I felt like we were supposed to do it. That was our goal. We knew we were talented enough and that when it was more, almost like a relief when you did do it, you know? And so, um, I think that's the hardest thing between O2 and now and O2, we were building it. Like the program was, on its way. And, you know, I've been there since 96 and, you know, O2 kind of put us on the national scene and we've kind of been there since, uh, and for a public school, that's hard to do consistently. But, um, so everybody kind of has to hear about the O2 team through, you know, not from me necessarily, but it's all over, you know, the school. And, you know, again, that's, you know, they're the only team that's ever gone undefeated. So everybody, you know, all the other teams want to try to get there and do that. But, at the end of the day, it's not a perfect game, but if you chase perfection, you might catch up with excellence. And that's what we tell the guys. And 
that loss this year kind of I knew because we started practicing with a, with a vengeance. And, um, it, you know, we look back and even the players, like Coach, you're right. You know, it didn't have to happen, but it was a good thing that it did happen. So. Yeah, at our high school, Don Mattingly had won a state championship, and then my brother's four years older. They had won. So there was some, not pressure, but there was some tradition with the program and what, you know, and it, it builds off of itself. Um, Sam, talk about how you got to JMU. I mean, I, were there other options for you? A great school, obviously, but talk about the process of, of going there, but also reaching out and, and being a part of the baseball program, too, with Coach Eikenberry. Yeah, so that's that's a funny story, actually. I mean, like I said, in high school, I didn't know what the opportunities were for me at the next level necessarily, but my sophomore year of high school, I think Coach Ike uh, had reached out to my dad and said, you know, what's where's, where's Sam want to go to school? Where's she going to school? She's going to come be a Duke. She's going to come be my manager. I'm like, okay, whatever, sure. Like, I'm in. I get to be around baseball again. Fine. Um, so, <clears throat> you know, I was only a sophomore at that point, and by then – by the, by, my, by the end of my senior year, I only really wanted to go to JMU, you know? So I was like, okay, I get to go do baseball. I don't know where else I can do this. I didn't know much about it and fell in love with the school. Um, I applied there and I applied to Coastal Carolina, almost didn't get into JMU, but ended up getting it done. Um, and, you know, I stepped foot on campus and I wanted to be involved like as soon as I could. Um, and I, I, it's funny. I, I don't think they realized at the time how big of a role I was going to end up taking on. But in my mind, I mean, I knew what I wanted to do. I wanted to be an integral part of that program. I mean, I wanted to be a part of the team. Um, I mean, you see a 18 year old blonde girl stepping foot into the first team meeting and you're not sure what to think, like what's, what's she going to do out here. But by the end of my senior year, I mean, I was out, um, I handled all the on-field stuff. I was helping out with practices everywhere I could, you know, feeding machines, you know, hitting a fungo if I needed to, um, just doing everything behind the scenes, logistically, like trying to help out as much as I could. And I, I like to think I left a pretty big mark on that program and um, I mean, those boys that I crossed paths with, um, from being a part of that team, I mean, those are my brothers for life. You know, all it's funny because all the Charleston guys are like, oh, well, we remember seeing you when we played you or at Thursday night practices. And you're like, you busted your butt. Like you, you worked hard out there. And I like, good, I, I tried, that's the impression I want to leave. But they said, well, those were your boys, weren't they? Like they were your brothers. I said, yeah, those, those guys, they have a special place in my heart, but just the way they took me in. And, um, I'm, so thankful. I, I don't know that I could have gone anywhere else in the country and had as big of a role in a program as I did at JMU. Um, I like to think that maybe my work ethic would have paid off wherever I would have gone, but I couldn't have imagined doing it anywhere else either. I just, I'm so thankful for my time there. And I got a chance to watch you guys pre-COVID two years ago with Chase DeLauder through twice at NC State and then mm -hmm. at High Point. And Marlon was like, hey, this kid's going to be really good. And shocker, JMU has a really good two-way player who can also rake. Yep. Um, it's always seemed like JMU's had good left-handed hitting. I know the ballpark helps a little bit, but it, when I was coaching there, we had Eddie Kim, Mike Buescher. You know, Brent Matheny, we had guys that could absolutely tear the cover off the ball and also were some dual guys with Jared Doyle and, and Brent Matheny. So just talk about Chase a little bit because, I mean, he's he's gone. He had okay freshman year, but went off this summer. Yeah, I mean, I'm really lucky. I call him – I mean, I call him one of my closest friends. I mean, I got to know him really well up in the Cape this summer. We got to kind of um, connect a little bit more just on, a base, on the baseball side and on a friendship level. And, you know, he – he, I like to say he does the little things and that's the coolest part about him um, is just no matter who's watching where we are. I mean, he's, he's going to do things the right way because he wants to be the best possible player out on that field. And he knows what it takes. Um, he knows what his goals are and where he wants to be in a year. And I think just watching his work ethic um, is one of the coolest things that stands out to me. And I'm really excited for his future. Great kid off the field, one of the hardest workers on the field. And I mean, obviously, um, it, it works for him. So I'm excited to see where, where his future takes him. Puts talk about Rob Haney a little bit, the Northern Virginia travel baseball league. He's done a lot for the area. He's also our, our committee chair for our travel committee here with the ABCA, but talk about Rob and what he's meant to baseball in that area. Oh, uh, Rob's, you know what he's been actually, I coached Rob his uh, senior year. That was my first year coaching high school baseball. And so I've known Rob a long time. Rob does uh, a ton for Northern Virginia baseball. The, the Northern Virginia Travel Baseball League, um, back in night when we brought the, the Vienna Mustangs were the first program to come in and uh, we brought them in. I remember it kind of caused a big uh, uproar in town and 
you know, to think back now, not, not from 1996 to now, Rob's leading a group of what 700 teams in, in the MVTBL, and you know he's really active with with uh, getting you know bringing travel baseball together throughout the country with you guys. I mean, I know they're working hard to do that, and um, you know he's been active with us with MVP International, uh, with my company also, trying you know doing some things uh, throughout the, throughout the country overseas. We just we just ran a clinic over in. Uh, in Hawaii that he was over there with some coaches. So again, Rob, he loves the game, you know, he's it, just like all of us, he's, he's married to it. And you know what, we're in the same conference. And uh, although we want to beat each other on the field, you know what, we're all friends off the field. And uh, like I said, Rob's coaching our 22 team with MVP with my baseball Academy. So he's got, he's coaching his son, Kyle, which is a great story. Kyle had um, PD, you know, he had uh, cancer when he was younger and uh, overcame that. So, Rob's done a ton to raise money for uh, for pediatric cancer and children's hospitals. So again, the things he's done here um, in Northern Virginia and now starting to to reach out to other levels. You know, I don't know how long we'll be able to keep him in the high school game because, you know, he's got so many great things that he's a part of and it pulls, you know, it takes from. But uh, again, uh, I think uh, what he's done is really, he's without question, he's, he's still doing it, but he's left a heck of a mark here in Northern Virginia. And you got Tim Mary too at the Virginia Baseball Coaches Association, and that's where you and I met. That was you know pre-COVID too. I spoke at the the conference, and you and I had a chance to to meet there. So Tim's done a phenomenal job, and that that's still in kind of the initial stages too for a coaching association. But I know he's doing a great job. The convention is is awesome that he runs. Well, Tim's outstanding, and I, I look forward to getting back there this uh, you know this winter, and and I'll be speaking there, and I, I look forward to it. Just inc- anytime. You know, we, we had a run at it back. Uh, I kind of ran the Virginia Association back in the early 2000s. And, you know, it was okay, but it was more Northern Virginia. Tim's done a great job, we, you know, of bringing it back. And, you know, I've been so involved with the BCA, the, the NA National High School Baseball Coach Association. And it's tough because, you know, we get our Virginia guys out there, but all these associations are so strong. And, you know, I've had the opportunity to speak at, at a number of their state meetings. You know, you look at Arizona State Conference, uh, their association in Texas and, you know, all these associate Massachusetts, uh, they all run great associations in uh, Ohio. And then we, you know, when it's something in Virginia, we've got to have because it makes every, everybody better. And, you know, so Tim is the perfect guy because he just, you know, he's got a great relationship with so many people and just a really wonderful man. And, and he's the perfect guy to lead this. And he's got the right people on board, really trying to push it. And we're heading in the right direction. We're getting there. I look forward to getting, I got to bring it together with the NHS PCA as well um, and get them involved, not just with the ABCA, but, but all, you know, getting everybody connected is such a big deal because the more we do with this stuff, the better it's going to be for high school baseball and college baseball. And I think COVID brought that community together. I had so many calls with state associations on how we were running things with our virtual convention that you felt like you were helping the community as a whole because I, I did a bunch of Zoom chats with the, the state associations, how we were running things just to help. And I, I was so happy that, that state associations were able to pull off their, their conventions. Well, to that, you know, it's funny because, you know, when I when you're a young coach, you just think about coaching and you come to this, it's winning, it's losing. 2 we win it. And then, you know, Jerry Miles reaches out to me from the BCA. He's the founder. He's passed away now. Him and his wife, Elaine, were wonderful people. And, you know, I didn't know what this thing was. And I get out there and I'm, I'm receiving an award, for, you know, the, the national award. And it was uh, in St. Louis. And they asked me to get involved. And next thing you know, I'm, I'm in, uh, I'm a, you know, I'm a regional rep. And then I was president in 2010 of the National Association. And until you get into that, you just don't know how important it is and you get it. And, you know, these things are vital and, you know, you got these conferences and you see the best programs in the country and it's, you know, you become, I think Samantha hit it best earlier. You know, it's, it's, it's businesses, it's a people business. It's about connections. And you know what? Um, and I think, you know, good friend of mine, Pat McMahon, Tommy Slater. I know Samantha's had a chance to meet these people. She was, she was coming to games. She didn't miss a game, a Madison game. So she did grow up around all my players. And and I don't know if that was always a good thing because when she got to high school, I don't think she was allowed to date anybody because my players would, you know, it wasn't going to be good, but we joke about that. But, you know, so much of this in this business is, is just connections. And, and I think that that's, what's big about the associations. And when young coaches don't get involved, that's a problem. Like those guys, they don't know what they're missing. And, 
the, the network is strong. You know, I mean, I can't even tell you how many players, honestly, have come in town from other coaches. So when you move, oh, oh you're moving to Northern Virginia, you need to go play for Pudge. So they'll look for a house. It's happened now, what, seven, eight times, at least with good players. And whether they were coming from Florida, California, I mean, you name it. So we've been very fortunate. I'm thankful that, you know, we all look out for each other. Sam, talk about your role at College of Charleston now. Is it going to be similar to what you were doing with JMU? Or are you adding a little bit more on your plate here with College of Charleston? I'm definitely adding a little bit more with the logistics side. Um, I mean, it's nothing I've never done before, but it's, it's fun to see how the behind the scenes stuff works. With the director of ops title, it limits what you can do on the field just to kind of keep, you know, keep me from being a fifth assistant coach or fourth assistant coach. Um, but uh, no, I'm, I'm still getting to be out there at practice every day. And I'm really taking the time now just to see how these guys go about their business and what they're preaching to the players. And I'm, I'm having a blast so far. I mean, I like what everybody's about. Um, the players, they come out every day and they're ready to work hard. I mean, I think the, the end goal is, is uh, a pretty common theme that runs throughout this program. And I'm just excited to, you know, submerse myself in it a little bit more. Do you have any good Jerry Weinstein, Ron Polk, or Don <laughs> Snedden stories? So many. Oh, my goodness. I was I was so fortunate to, you know, I mean, how many people get to say that you get to work with those three for the summer? I mean, I had a blast, a lot of laughs with those guys. I mean, um, no, I, I still get the occasional phone call from Coach Polk. You know, it's only been, whatever, a couple months that we haven't been together. But um, I don't know. I've got a pretty funny voicemail on my phone Um just those memories are something that'll stick with me forever. They get it. I, you know, and, and Pudge, you talked about with the young coaches, like here's three of the older guys that we have in the industry and are still growth mindset and still willing to give back. Could, could just say, Hey, I got it all figured out, but you don't see it with those three guys. And that's something for the younger coaches to, to pay attention to is like, here's legends, legends that are willing to, to help and give back to the game. 100%. You know, I mean, it's Ron Polk. Come on. The first, my first job, the head coach, Chuck Welsh, gave me my opportunity. He said he gave me the, the baseball Bible. You know, he said, here, read it. I'm like, read this? Like, that's like 900 pages. And you know what? Um, so it, it's, it, you know, Coach Polk's a legend. You know, the, the Ron Polk's of the world, the Jerry Weinstein's, Pat McMahon. I mean, these guys, you know, Augie, you know, God rest his soul. These are guys that I was fortunate enough to meet that, you know, took the time to, to, to help me. I, there's so many. And you know, I just, uh, I think that Samantha, it was funny when, when she goes, yeah, I'm coach Polk and Ron Polk and Jerry Weinstein are going to be our two of our coaches. I'm like, Oh, really? Wow. Okay. I might spend the summer up at the Cape, you know, and I had a wonderful opportunity of speaking at the Massachusetts state conference with coach Polk. We were their guest speakers uh, about five, six years ago. And he speaks at so many, it's funny. I think the best story for him and Samantha can tell you too, is, he still takes his typewriter with him everywhere and, and he hand types letters. Tommy Slater's on that list. And Slate's a real good friend of mine. And Slate says, yeah, I see him and Pat, they still get their hand typed letters from him every year. And uh, I think that's pretty special. Yeah. He, he's, he married the game, you know, and he's married to the game and there's not many guys like that. And these young guys, man, I don't mean to sound like that guy, but I guess I am becoming that guy. It's just the, the thing I enjoy the most is helping young coaches. And, uh, you know, I, I think uh, uh, there's so many guys, but Derek Bunch is one out of Rogers, Arkansas. I talked to you about him before in our last, the last time we talked, and they just went and won a state title this year. And, you know, when you get that text message, like, Coach, we did it. We finally did it. You know, it's just you're so happy for these guys. And I know that those guys are happy for us. So it's anyway, I just, you know, with, uh, with Samantha, you know, the connections with what Marlon Eikenberry did, uh, for her at JMU is like, and Ike and I have been friends for a long time. And she, what she didn't tell you is when I called me, we were talking and uh, said, Hey, I want Samantha. He's just taken the JMU job. He said, you know, we have some scholarship money for managers to title nine. And I said, she accepts, you know, <laughs> I hadn't talked to her yet, but I said, Hey, Sam, uh, Ike called me and she knew like, she knows all these guys were growing up, but then where she's at now, I got to say this, you know, with, with coach Holbrook with Chad and, uh, you know, Kevin Nichols, Will Dorton, and those guys, like, this is her career. I've had mine, you know, this is, and it's like, those guys did that on their own. And, and you know, they just, uh, we would talk and they'd say, hey, man, we've seen you. It's awesome, you know, what she's doing. But I knew when she, she called me and said, hey, she's like, I got all, you know, I didn't know it was going down. They didn't tell me anything. And they just said, uh, Coach Holbrook offered me, uh, 
the director of operations job. And uh, I was like, are you, wow. And she's like, dad, that's Charleston. Like, that, that's a pretty cool place. So anyway, and you know, you mentioned JJ Picola before. And, uh, you know, I think, you know, you know, Lonnie Goldberg, I'm sure. Lonnie, I had the opportunity to coach Lonnie when he was in high school and, uh, and uh, at, when I was an assistant, but, you know, Samantha was on the phone with, with Lonnie and was, she's had some wonderful people reach out and uh, guide her, you know, and I think, you know, looking back on it, um, what she did with us, with our company, which I even talk about MVP International, we send teams overseas. I was just in Hawaii this summer. She pretty much, she knows that business inside and out. So she's, uh, she's definitely learned her over her time and uh, on the job training, I guess is best. But, you know, when you meet the coach Polks of the world and the Jerry Weinsteins, I don't know if she knows it. Now. I think she does know it, but that's pretty special. And she'll never forget that. So and he's still selling books. Yes, he is. <laughs> Pudge, with some of the new stuff that's out there, what are you implementing into practice? And what are some of the things maybe you're keeping that, that you've always gone back to at the high school level? Uh, great question. You know what? I, that's the biggest thing. I think the thing I'm most proud about is we've been able to evolve, um, you know, winning in 02, 15. And, and I didn't even think about this, but to win three state titles in three different decades, you know, what that does, you know, not, I'm not bragging. I'm just telling you that just says we've been able to evolve. And I think for me, that was the biggest thing. And uh, that I learned from some people years ago is you got to change with the game, you know, not just be stubborn and say, this is the way we do it. I think the biggest thing is um, just, you know, talking to all these guys and, and kind of hearing what's new and sharing. I'm, I'm always trying to learn. So, you know, we've gone to a, um, a little bit more, you know, we don't hit and run as much within the game. We do a little more run and hit, um, which again. Uh, I switched know, to it too, as well. Just was yeah, hard. I, hit and run was so hard to execute and run and hit. You at least have more margin for error with the run and hit as opposed to the hit and run. You know what? Plus hitters, they buy into it more. Like, you know, you're asking them to kind of change what they do. To, and I, I would get frustrated because some guys could handle it. Some guys couldn't. And, you know, I think the risk and reward is kind of like the squeeze and the suicide squeeze and the safety squeeze. And I, I think that the safety squeeze percentages are so much more on your side and, you know, both are effective, but you know, it's a game of percentages. And, and again, you got to take what the game gives you, but the run and hit, and it's just been a change. And we, you know, we, 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 you know, when you tell a guy, our, it works in our hitting approach. We have a, dam, you know, we, we're, we're a damage approach team. We're going to be real aggressive. And, you know, my hitters were like, you know, it was, I'll say James, Bryce, and Colin this year, you know, where you would tell them, hey, lay off, we're going to lay off breaking ball. We're going to steal that bag anyway in high school or in college. That's a little different. And they're like, well, coach, if we get a breaking ball, we can hammer it. I'm like, you hammer it, you know? So they're all the players a little different in the way you approach it. But, I would say just that's a great example, you know, and practice wise too, you know, um, you know, I, I was talking, I love talking baseball with Samantha and, and my boys and, you know, um, but Sam and I were just talking, you know, I love picking her brain. What are some things you're doing there? Cause I think Kevin Nichols does a tremendous job with offense down there. And, and uh, so, you know, he and I, we've talked a lot over, over, over the last few years. And I just, um, you know, I think that that's where, you know, we were talking, you know, a lot of teams use offset, um, to take batting practice, I use what's called reverse offset. And um, I think that's a little bit different. It's a little trickier. But, uh, again, anything we can do to stay inside the ball and really utilize the whole field to hit in direction. Obviously, you're hearing me. I'm a big offensive guy. So, you know, the other thing I do is I surround myself with some great assistant coaches that, uh, that can handle some things. But that's it. Within the game, those are the little subtleties, you know. And, you know, uh, you know I probably also let kids – I'm probably – I think I don't try to dictate as much in the running game. We get the goal. Look, let's you know, let's not be reckless. But we stole 93 out of 98 bases this year, and uh, you know I think that's pretty impressive. And you know we we've incorporated some new things on the base pads that we've learned. So anyway, a lot of things in the game, man. It's fun. I love the inside offset as well because that's going to be the toughest angle for a hitter. That inside offset. Your best pitchers are going to be able to dot a fastball away or a slider away. And you have to learn how to be able to stay on that angle. And it does clean up a lot of path. And you learn a lot about a hitter. If you have a hitter that can handle that drill, they can hit. They can really You know, hit. it's funny, 100%. And I tell the kids, my player, I don't even say kids, young men this, my players, because, you know what, the, if they, I always say this, you know, we've really, Pat McMahon told me this many years ago, just simplify. You know, that's the biggest thing we've learned over the years. And I think all kids and co young coaches think, that the game's about, oh, there's more out there. Oh, there's more. What, what a, well, it's not. As you get older, it's about simplifying. And, and you know, where I used to use maybe, you know, I'd talk a little bit too much when my hitters were 
putting too much in their head when you go to the box. Now we've dumbed it down to we have one word verbiage, you know, and you know they've got to know my lingo. We get to a point now in games we don't even need signals because they know from practice and the way we practice that we're going to uh, there's certain ways we're going to you know, we're going to do things in certain situations. So, you know, we do head nods or things like that. A lot of signals have are decoys, but with the hitting stuff, you're right. It's just uh, so much about literally challenging them as hitters. You know, when you're younger, you want to see them have success. You think confidence is such a big thing. As I've gotten older, what I think is, is you got to challenge them. Success breeds confidence. And we, you know, we've gone to the machine. We utilize the machines now a lot more than the coaches BP. You know, we try to hit live somewhat every day. But, you know, using those hack attacks as junior hack attacks and, you know, we'll set them up and we'll go fastball, break ball. We hit pitch counts more than anything. You know, zero count damage, one count damage, two strike. We're going to, you know, we're going to kind of flip the script and take our hits. So, again, it's the approach has become a bigger deal than the mechanics. Sam, what about you? I mean, you've been doing this for a while now. What are some of the differences for you with what was available when you first got into it and what's available now? I mean, the biggest thing for me is just trying to learn a lot of the technology stuff. I mean, um, I know like my brain does not work analytically, but I've had so many great people around me that I'm just trying to learn a little bit of that side so that I can understand it and apply it where I need to, um, to be able to help out, um, wherever possible. Um, it just, it's, it's interesting to see how much of a focus is placed on it, um, in some realms rather than others. And some coaches do things one way and some coaches just do it another way. And I think that's been the coolest thing for me is just to see the difference in coaching style and how all of them can work. Um, But just being able to utilize all those different aspects and kind of uh, combine them to get the best possible outcome. Do you guys have a fail forward moment? I asked this of of everybody. So Pudge, we'll go first. Do you have a fail forward moment, something you thought was going to sidetrack you, but looking back now is one of the better things that happened to you? Oh, Yeah. Yeah, my first year, <laughs> I thought, uh, you know, I took over the, my dream job in my hometown and, you know, they've been struggling bad for a couple of years and I knew that shouldn't be the case. And, you know, the coach before just, you know, it wasn't his fault. Lacrosse was taking over and things. So I come in and I know we're going to, we're, we're going to win it right out of the gate. I'm going to make everybody happy. I'm a nice guy, uh, you know, but man, you got to learn, you learn thick skin. That's the key. Number one rule. And um, I was fortunate to have so many good mentors uh, and that, that kind of raised me as an assistant over nine years. So anyway, the first year, you know, we set up, uh, we, we come out, we get after it. And, you know, you, then all of a sudden you start dealing with parents and all this. But it was actually year two, I should say. We go to San Diego. Uh, we've got the whole team back. We won the conference the first year. We went from worst to first. Second year we come out. Now my kids are feeling like they're somebody, you know, we're, we're good, right? And ranked number one in our region. We go out to San Diego to the Lions tournament because I wanted to take them out there to see, you know, the whole, I had a plan and the plan was let's build this into a national program. It takes time. So, okay, you guys are pretty good, but we go out there, we go 0-4. We play Mission Bay, they're number three in the country. We lose a walk off of their field. We lose, I mean, you know, Torrey Pine, we lose some of the best programs in the country. And we come back 0-4, we lose two more at home, which we should have won because now we're just not confident. We're, we're 0-6 in a season that we thought, you know, and um, I'll never forget it. Uh, you know, we were at a, a friend of mine, an older coach's birthday party, and a um, guy came in to the restaurant. I would have gone home. We lost a tough game to his team that night. And let's just say some things got exchanged. It got heated a little bit because a guy had some words, a local townie. And uh, anyway, I just, you know, probably didn't handle that the best. You know, I was young and fiery. And um, I just remember, you know, I'll never forget this. And, uh, you know, my wife's always been a, she's kind of been my rock. And she even asked me like, why'd you throw that kid tonight? And I'm like, Oh my God, seriously. Like, you know, she's not one to hold back. And so I'm driving home and I'm like, bro, in six, I'm going to get fired. You know, this will go through your mind. Like, I hate that. What am I doing? I call my mom and I'm about in tears. I can't do this. And then she's like, you know, you're fine. You're fine. You'll be great. Don't worry about, it. you know, and then after that, we went we went through a perfect game and we won 14 straight and uh, ended up winning the conference. And, uh, you know, that was the turning point for me. And then I realized, like, OK, we did the right thing. We needed that. That made us stronger. And that's what I learned. I had I was fortunate to get to know Joe Gibbs when I was younger. I went to school with his son and, you know, he always just said, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. And um, that's a fact. And that's where it was. I can always look back to that time. And that kind of set the foundation for Warhawk Nation, we say. 
So. The Hogs, those were my guys back in the day. I grew up in Indiana, but I loved the Redskins back then when Joe Gibbs was coaching. I and loved the Redskins. I was a huge fan. Always, a, I still a Washington football fan. I guess we call it now, yeah. 2021. But you know, uh, again, and, and Coach Gibbs was such an he's such an incredible man, and uh, as he, he he was in the community. He was a fixture. So it was wonderful that JD, who passed away, his son, is it, it pretty sad and. JD, is, you know, we went to school together. They moved into town. We were on the same youth football team, and I remember people were picking on him and, uh, because Joe Gibbs was 0-5 at the time, and he told me that story. And, you know, they were kids were in our youth football league were saying, your dad's going to get fired. Kids are tough in middle school. And uh, I think I might have gotten a little scuffle then defending him. And Coach Gibbs told me, hey, I appreciate it, but, you know, that that's not the way you got to handle things. And so, anyway, I had a little fire in me when I was younger, I guess, so. But it's all good, and uh, like I said, you learn from those people, man. I've learned just – I just know the importance of, of listening, and that's the number one thing that every great leader, I think, has is the ability to listen. And I think once you realize that, that you can do so much. So. Sam, what about you? Do you have a fail-forward moment? Oh, yeah. I mean, um, so I was supposed to be up in the Cape summer of 2020, um, and then COVID hit, all that happened. And, you know, when it first hit, I went from – being nonstop. I mean, I would, I was in class at 8am every day out by 10 on the field at 1030 on the field until, you know, six o'clock and then home by seven o'clock every night. And then COVID hit. And, you know, that, that spring of 2020 was when I, well, I guess it was like winter, but I realized, you know, this baseball is what I want to do. And I want to try to take whatever next step is going to propel me as far as possible um, in a future career. And our director of ops at, at JMU kind of helped me with that. And he's, he's the one that put me in touch and kind of said, I'm going to help you if you want to do this, you know, let's get you up to the Cape and see what you can do there. And so I, he put me in touch with Andrew um, and I ended up getting hired for 2020, everything hit. And I'm like, Oh my God, what am I going to do? You know, I, I went home, I was doing nothing kind of like a lot of people just kind of lost, you know, went from nonstop, nonstop baseball all day, every day to nothing. Um, and then that's when, you know, we put the Northern Virginia College League together and Coach Hani and my dad and Coach Roland, they they let me kind of run with that thing. And, yeah. you know, it was one of the hardest things I've ever done um, just from overseeing all of that. I mean, I oversaw the internship program. I created the internship program. I ran the day to day of all the baseball stuff. I did all the draft prep. I I don't know. I'm sure. Oh, I took over like the social media stuff that I don't know anything about or like doing but I was the league photographer and so just from juggling all of that and making sure I mean I wasn't going to do anything um that I wasn't going to be proud of so I wanted to make sure whatever we were doing it was going to be the best possible product that we were putting out on the field um because I mean if you're not going to do something at your best why do it at all but I mean that went from being the craziest month month of my life month and a half of my life to the best possible thing that could have happened to me I mean I just from being able to work on my communication skills and like problem solving, being able to anticipate the problems before, you know, they even happened and having to put out those little fires. I think, um, I mean, that, that experience was one that I will look back on forever. And I, I mean, can't thank those guys enough for trusting me enough to be able to do it and giving me as big of a role as I did, but um, no, definitely the MVCL um, pushed my career farther than I think anything else would have and even prepared me more for, my experience in the Cape this last summer. Um, and a lot of those, those skills that I was able to put to work were ones that I was, you know, I had before, before doing the MVCL, but definitely um, just improved by having to handle all those, um, not issues, but, you know, just day-to-day -day things that pop up that, you know, some people might get stressed out about. Some people might, oh my God, what are we going to do? No, you don't have time to think like that. You just have to put out the fire and keep going. So adversity breeds growth i mean it does oh yeah you're you're not going to grow unless there's some adversity that you have to face like if everything's great like you don't learn from that but you talked about like the last got losing a game during the year that helped us my senior year we lost our last two regular season games and faced a little adversity but also allowed us to take a breath that like hey we're not perfect we're 28 no at that time it's like hey you're not perfect and it actually helped us i don't think we win a state championship if we didn't lose our last two games in the regular season well you know it's interesting you that's why I, the farther I get away from O2, the more I appreciate it because nobody's ever done it. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's, you look back and there's so many, you look back on, there's so many ways that we could have lost the game and it could have gone wrong. So that group is really, like I said, that 
those guys, we're still, we talk all the time. And, uh, you know, they when they showed up to the regional championship this year, the, they faced us on the 21 guy. They were so pumped about me. Like, these are the guys? Like, you know, but, you know, so when you, yeah, 100%. And, you know, to do it, because I remember the night before in 02, the state final, I was sitting in the hotel room in Richmond thinking, I mean, honestly, going, every time I closed my eyes, it was 29, 28 and 1 would suck. You know, like, you don't tell the kids that, but I kept, I kept seeing it and kept seeing it. And I'm, I just remember telling them in our pregame meeting, like, look, guys, this is going to be the hardest game we probably ever had to play. You know, don't play a season, play a game. And you know what? One day we'll meet up and we'll party like rock stars, you know, down the road. So anyway, we, we did. Years later, we met in Dewey Beach. We celebrated. We still celebrate this day. But, you know, I got to tell you, it's just, um, you know, with Sam, especially going back on that and with her, you know, she rocked it. And, we, you know, we put her in charge because we, we knew she was capable. And it was funny. Somebody just asked me last week, somebody, I can't remember who it was, somebody pretty influential in the college game said, you know, what does she want to do? You know, what's the, does she want to be a GM? Does she want to be a, a coach? Does she want, and I'm like, you know what? She could coach and she'd be phenomenal, you know? So I think that's it. And, you know, I got to spend a few days with her when we went to Charleston a couple of weeks ago and just really value that time of talking because like she said, in COVID, you know, it's not a lot of fun to spend your 21st birthday locked down with your mom and dad, uh, you know, but my wife did a wonderful job of making that a special night for Samantha. And, uh, you know, those are one of those nights in life you don't forget. So anyway, we valued, we enjoyed having her around, but, uh, you know, I get where she's coming from, but anyway, you know, she doesn't know what the end game, I, you know, I want to speak for her, but, you know, the big thing for her is it's going to be, it's just fun. I enjoy watching it. Of course, we're proud of her, but you know what, man, she's taking it and run with her own career. And this has been fun. I got my thing. She's got it. We all kind of have our own thing. But uh, I think it's all kind of come together. Hey, the one loss stinks because my junior year, we were 29-0 and and got beat in the day game of the state championship and ended the season 29-1, and and it stunk. But that also helped us the next year, too. But it was 100%. brutal. We don't, again, we don't win that next year if we won probably the year before because it just was like – we got punched in the mouth, didn't play good, and got beat and had to get on the bus and go home, and we're 29-1, and one, and you feel awful about the season because you lost your last game of the year. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. I mean, you look at Gonzaga basketball this year. I told my guys that. I'm like, you know, okay, so we took a loss, but, you know, you don't want to lose the last one. And to go undefeated and, you know, I mean, you could sit here and say, oh, hey, it's okay, it was still a great season and, and all that, but at the end of the day, those kids are – these guys are smart. You can't, you can't BS a high school kid or a college kid and – you know, so to, to, to end with a zero is spectacular, but it's like, you know, you're right, though. I'm, I, I, my big thing in this game is it's such a game of momentum and, and momentum shifts. And, you know, what I've really learned is, you know, after that, you know, I, I just told the guys, look, one spark can ignite them. You know, look at look at what's going on in California. One spark can ignite a fire that can, you know, take out a whole whole area unfortunately but it's the same thing kind of that's the analogy and you know i told them well, let's just get back to work and even you know our summer team the college team in the mvcl this summer you know we, we we started hot we lost a couple but then we ran off the last seven because once you get into that groove you know it's it's it can be really special and it can that that fire can it can blaze for a while so you know it's just you got to get that spark and the only way to ignite it is you got to do it yourself and so Sam, any favorite books? Um, I've been I've been trying to get more into that. I mean, um, you or know. any other resources, podcasts. I mean, there's some. What what things have helped you along the way, resource wise? I would say just my connections. I mean, you know, you you can always learn. I like learning from other people who have, who have done it before I have and who have had the different experiences than me. Um, I think. I mean, honestly, I try to learn something new every day from the people I'm around, you know, whether it's the players, my coaching staff. I mean, this past summer, especially just even, you know, there were the scouts who I was making connections with and my coaching staff, who's been around the game for longer than, you know, many people are lucky to be around it. Um, But even just my other interns, I mean, there were, I think, 15, 16 of us baseball ops interns. And I mean, some of these dudes were sharp. I, I tell you what, like, those guys, those are guys that we're going to see in the game for a long time coming. And I just, you know, was trying to utilize them as much as possible because, yeah, we're all the same age, but, you know, they have these different experiences at school than I had. And they, their um, main source of knowledge is in this subject that I have no idea um, where to even start to get my feet wet into. But just kind of utilizing all the different um, people around me that, you know, have 
been around, you know, different, uh, been around the game in different areas or different types of people and just utilizing them to the best of my ability. I agree. It's about the relationships. I always soaked in. I was fortunate to be around great baseball people growing up as well. And Pudge, what about you? What resources for coaches or even parents? I mean, you've done a great job with Sam. She loves baseball. I know that's a lot of her loving baseball because you can't force it. But, you know, any parents that are listening in right now that have young kids, how do you instill that passion for anything? It may not even be baseball, but just passion for something. You know what? Uh, well, first of all, the resources, I do want to tell you, because, you know, uh, there's a couple of books, there's a movie, there, you know, you know, like Samantha said, too, just it's not just meeting people. It's listening to them. It's picking their brain. But for me, it's, you know, I remember uh, Rick Pitino, um, Success is a Choice. I, I, that was one that I thought was great. Um, the uh, Anything Mike Krzyzewski writes, Coach K, I've got all, I've read, you know, the stand, uh, the gold standard is his favorite. But uh, there's an, another one that's come out, Clarity and Crisis, yeah. um, by Mark Polymeropoulos. He loves you, by the way. He well, was on the podcast what? with me. I, he, was Mark on? He is, I got to tell you. He the book's is, phenomenal. It is. And it's, you know, he came in. I don't know if you know, he, I brought him in and he offered his son, obviously played for us, but Mark came in and gave one of the best talks. And, and he's now he's going around the country talking to different teams. He is unbelievable talking in leadership and, you know, the glue guy. I mean, that's, that's my favorite. We, you know, and it really, the, just to get guys to buy in and my players were, you know, they immediately all in 2020, our bullpen catcher, they ever to a guy, when he asked that question, every man said, you know, who, who's the glue guy, Jacob, you know, he's the guy that does all the dirty work. So when you get kids thinking, and what Mark's brought to me is I really like to talk with my guys every Friday in the off season. And so, you know, when you ask about, you know, how do you instill it in kids, you know, and that, it, for me, it's a no-brainer. I just did this uh, interview with FCPS with our school system um, and our director of athletics. It's you have to talk with them. We talk about life in the off season. That's when we do all this stuff. And every Friday, I used to talk to them every weight room session, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. And now Mondays and Wednesdays, I sit there. I really just try to let them talk to them about life. I don't talk to them about baseball. I talk to them about, hey, how's school? How's your girlfriend? How's your mom? How's your dad? And doing all that and, and just stuff that really matters. And on Fridays, though, whether I bring in a guest speaker or whether I talk, you know, we, we talk about, the you know, last year, the hardest talk I've ever had was about diversity. And it was, we had a little incident with a couple of football teams locally and some things were, were exchanged. And, you know, so I said, this is a great time to go into this topic. And, you know, it was, it was, it's hard to lead it, but then all of a sudden the kids started leading it and talking about it. And we'll do a great thing. And, and this is one I would share with any coach. Well, we call it, I created a little thing a few years back called past, present, or future. And I will, I have a list of questions and they'll say, give me the past coach. I'll, it may be, who's your favorite world growing up? Who was the one guy that you came and watched at Madison high school that you wanted to emulate? And so, you know, or with uh, the future, where do you want to be 10 years from now? Where do you want to be 20 years from now? You know, not in the game of baseball in life. And so when you, the, they really want it, they, they enjoy it. They love it. And, you know, what I found is they're not afraid to call each other out, which is one of the hardest things to do. You know, most high school kids, if you get them talking or college kids, it's like, oh, you know, they try to give each other, you know, criticism or, or coaching. It'll be like, shut up, you know, what are you doing? And you get that response. We don't get that response anymore. And another one is just so you know. Hey, hold on. When, How do you help develop that healthy confrontation? Oh, it's awesome. You know what? You let them to do it. I, I'll literally say in the middle of the group, we talk about it, first of all, and not being so sensitive that you, you know, take it as coaching, not criticism. When one of your friends and your teammates, listen, don't defend, don't take it personally, listen and make the change. And so I will literally say, hey, um, you know, a great, great example. Two years ago, I said, uh, I asked one of the guys who, you know, a young man that wasn't a starter, he wasn't one of our best players, but he worked to stay off the weight room. And I said, hey, um, you know, Ryan, who's the one guy in here you think could work harder? He goes, Oh, Davis, no question. You know? And Davis like, okay, okay. It wasn't like, shut up. You know, it was, we're all there. We're, we're, we're calling each other out. You know, we've done it and we do it numerous times now. And you know what it, I'm telling you, when you can open up, when you get a group and, and get in a locker room where, you know, this year, the one game we lost, they, they said, coach, can we just meet as a group? Because you've been trying to tell us this was coming. So they met in a group. James gave, you know, he was kind of, you know, doing, you know, if your best players are your leaders, you're in good shape. Okay. They got to be. 
And if they're not, you're in trouble. And so James gave the talk about working harder and doing, did all the things that you expect him and Colin, those guys to do. But then Bryce, the kid who he's Bryce committed to Alabama, he's a special player, he's a sophomore. He grew up that night. And, you know, they told after the fact, I found out about this later because the meeting was, you know, so successful for them. And it wasn't about anything other than them getting their stuff together. And we had brought that together during the off season. They have the strength to talk. I'm not, most coaches are like, I don't want them talking about it. I, I love that. And so they went in there. They're going to talk anyway. I mean, whether you allow it or not, they're going to talk to each other, whether you allow it or not. Well, I'd love rather have them talk in a, in a group than in, in splinter groups. And, so anyway, Bryce literally, you know, to, to manned up. And I, I remember James, you know, and Colin, those guys telling me Bryce really stepped up and just looked at the kid next to him and said, look, man, when we're in practice, you know, you look like you don't want to be. There. And so those things start going and not to give too much of it away, but you know what, that was a game changer. And you could see it direct. We came out the next day and we were a totally different, you know, we were good. We were beating people on talent. Now we became a team. That night we became a team. And once you become a team with talent, it's unstoppable. You know, and one other thing I want to tell you, when the game stands tall is a movie everybody should watch. It's about De La Salle high school football, what they did. And I actually took my, all my parents and players and rented a movie theater um, back before the 15 season and took them because we needed more of that, that with that group. And um, you know what? If anybody gets a chance to ever watch, you know, it's a football movie, uh, what, what Coach did there and uh, their program, that's, that's, you know, we, that's very similar to what we do at Madison. All right, what are some final thoughts? Sam, lead us off or fill in any gaps on something if I miss something. What are your final thoughts here? Fill some gaps in and then we'll we'll hand it over to your dad here to finish it off. No, I mean, I'm just um thanks for having me on. It was a blast. Um I like I said, I'm just very thankful for, you know, coach Eikenberry, that staff at JMU, like they honestly propelled my career farther than I ever could have imagined, you know, walking in their freshman year, leaving senior year. It 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 I changed a lot I think for the better and hopefully I left my mark on that program so um being in Wareham this summer was I mean I've had a lot of cool experiences um I really have and a lot of that is just from the connections I've made and been fortunate enough to have made who have helped me get to where I've I've gotten so far and I'm just excited to see where we're gonna go from here so and I can't tell you like go win a CAA championship because I'm still a (laughs) I'm a duke at heart even though yeah I but I I wish you as a ton of success (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Pudge, finish this off. Yeah, for me, it's let's get, you know, let's get this COVID thing totally out of here. You know, let's, you know, we just want to get back to total normalcy in that sense, uh, because I want to travel. I can't wait to get back to to go in the conferences. Last year, we didn't get to do the conferences. And that's for us, man, that's where you get to kind of get to see everybody and, you know, check in on everybody's family. And, you know, unfortunately some people have passed. And so, you know, this year to be in Scottsdale, that's going to be a real special weekend for us and for my family and all our alumni um, with the NHSBCA. That's going to be early December to be at the state conference with Coach Mary and those guys will be great. And then to be out in Chicago with the ABCA, I look forward to that. I haven't been out there and then not be able to do it last year. It was going to be in DC. We were so excited about doing it. And but also to travel with that, you know, with MVP International, I got to go to Hawaii this summer and take a couple teams there. And uh, we've already got, gosh, over 30, 35 trips lined up for next year, uh, starting this winter through next summer. So, you know, it's just everybody wants to travel, you know, and, uh, you know, we want to go compete overseas and get back to doing that. And uh, it's something that I'm real excited to be involved with and, and something we founded uh, back in 2013 we started. And, again, we've got some really talented coaches in multiple sports from around the country that are uh, that are on board with us now, and so I look forward to it. I'm gonna we're gonna be co- we're gonna be back in Italy next summer in the uh, European. They have a huge tournament in Parma with 14 countries, so we're really jacked about all that. So anyway, but Ryan, man, you're awesome. Thank you so much for for having Sam and I. And uh, it was great. And thank yeah. you, guys. I mean, Sam, you and I parallel each other on a lot <laughs> of things. JMU, the Cape. I mean, and did and I I owe both those places. And um, I, I do. I owe them up just about everything in my baseball career because uh, when you're young and you're just getting into it, they they both are very patient with me at, at that age. But I, I look back now, it's the best thing that ever happened to me. Those are decisions. So it's I am pulling for you. I'm I'm so pumped for you. you. And um, but you guys have a great fall and and we'll be in touch. Thank Brian, you. We'll, we'll see you down the road. Um, I'll see you somewhere out there. Right? Yeah, looking forward to meeting you. <laughs> I had a great time with Pudge and Sam on this one. It's another great story in the baseball community. 
It's a phenomenal time for the baseball industry because it's open to anyone to be a part of it. We're getting closer and closer to full inclusion. Thanks again to John Litchfield, Zach Kalen, and Matt Weston, the ABCA office, for all their help on the podcast. Feel free to reach out to me via email, rbrownlee at abca.org, Twitter and TikTok at CoachB underscore ABCA, Instagram, RyanBrownlee17, or direct message me via the MyABCA app. This is Ryan Brownlee signing off for the American Baseball Coaches Association. Thanks, and leave it better for those behind you. Oh